0: Yay. Yup, it is. is. It's the courtship's conquest.
1: Kingdom of Thirst takeover. I was going to ask if you wanted to do the intro. Can you
0: intro the podcast? Welcome to Kingdom of Thirst with Abigail Kelly and special guest interviewer Amalia Dillon. Wow. Here to bring it and get you all the answers You know, about Courtship's Conquest.
1: Because you said that so much more like audibly than I normally introduce. <laughs> 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 oh my God. My name's Abigail Kelly. <laughs> lucky if i can remember to do it at all i have forgotten a couple of times it happens to the best of us right it's fine I've only been doing this for three fucking years it's fine
0: <laughs> has it been three years
1: i s- i three saw years? the other day I-, I looked at um when i was looking at like i don't know when i joined discord or whatever um and i i saw that i had started setting up all of the stuff for my podcast in august 2020.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So officially we launched October 7th, 2020, but I started recording
0: episodes all the way back in August. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Oof. Wow.
1: That's why we have a lot of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How we, Your how we baby. Get to, how do we get to over 100 and something episodes? Oh, well, that's why. Time has passed. It's, it's a toddler now. Oh. The the worst age. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> the terrible twos. Oh yeah.
1: Well oh, it's gonna be <laughs> walk
0: around biting me, peeing everywhere,
1: I mean, throwing up on me in the middle of the night.
0: Not. Maybe it will just be asking why. why. Why?
1: I mean that's that's my whole brand, isn't it? So I guess that's so, fine. I never minded yeah. that. When I was a nanny, I never minded that stage because that was always fun for me. Because then you get to like for me, my philosophy was always like, hey. Oh, that's a good question. If I don't have an answer, we're going to look it up. And that was really fun. And that's usually the way to get them to stop asking questions is to be like, all right, let's look it up. And then they look up how the sewer system works. And then they become obsessed with the sewer system for like two weeks. And it's great. Nice. But that's also just kind of who I am as a person. So I guess. uh, I
0: love that for you. And also those kids that you nannied.
1: It was a good time. It was a good time. We had a lot of fun talk about crudolins and sewer systems and how rain works. It was cool. (sighs) What
0: a time. Yeah. That would have been awesome.
1: Yeah, right? It was great. We yeah. went to the library like every week. And then he became obsessed with, with Cinderella. And then he wanted to know why his, his uh, dress wasn't shaped the same as in the movie. And I was like, oh, it's because she has a crinoline underneath. And I, then I had to explain what a crinoline was. And then he was like, Abigail, I want a quinoin
0: <laughs> And so I had to make him a little crinoline out of a,
1: out of a hula hoop and some ribbon. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Thing ever, and he had to have his gloves, and he had to have his his choker. It was great. Yeah, yeah, That's Best amazing. Time. Yeah. That's anyway, amazing. that's not what we're here to talk about today. But it's, it was not it's a fond what we're here memory. We're
0: talking about today. We do. We're here to talk about gloves. We- <laughs> gloves. Gloves. No, we're here to talk about Courtship's Conquest, <gasps> which re- releases on March twenty eighth, which is which already is this- out. When, when
1: it comes, yeah, yeah
0: it's out, it's Whoa. done, it's here, it's okay. in your hands was, and in your eyeballs. It's, it's here, and I have to tell you that um, this book starts with a bang, <laughs> literally some hot action. Yeah, yeah, um, it does. So be prepared, be prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed, I sure wasn't. Uh, But first, Mm -hmm. for the people who are new here and or new to the new Protectorate, Mm -hmm. Abigail, I need you to give us the Courtship's Conquest pitch. Sure.
1: So basically, Courtship's Conquest, um, all the books are standalone. Uh, Each one follows a different couple. And the first couple was Marco and Theodore. And their relationship kind of sets up. They're like the domino effect that sets up the the chain of events that then happen in the other books. Um, Specifically, uh, Cammie and Victor, who are a couple, uh, Victor is a coyote shifter. He's the alpha of the San Francisco's local coyote pack. And um, Cammie is the cousin of the man who rules the entire Elvish Protectorate, which is mostly the West Coast of the United States as we know it. Um, and they were teenage sweethearts. They were best friends. They were as close as you could possibly be. They were totally in love with each other. And then something happened and they didn't speak for 20 years until the events of Concert's Glory when they are thrown together um, again and things uh, go disastrously wrong or right, depending on your viewpoint. Um, and we explore the fact that, um, not everyone is looking for the same kind of happily ever after that Theodore and Margot have. In fact, some people have some pretty serious gripes with uh, with the whole fated mates thing. Um, yeah. And Cammie has a lot of uh, baggage and so does Victor. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the course of the book is them both fighting each other and kind of reconciling with the past such as it is and kind of trying to figure out how to move forward and take control of their lives in two different ways and two very similar ways. Um, and, uh, getting their HEA in the, in the, the best way they can. Those two
0: just absolute idiots. So, okay. Yeah. I, you may or may not know, I told you I was going to do it. Trolled the discord for some questions from your most loyal supporters and fans. Mm-hmm. Um, And I feel like you already kind of answered this, but Krista wanted to know why Cammie and Vic are book two. Is it just because, like, we see them interact in that, like, in spoiler, at the end of Consort's Glory? Or, like, is there some, like, or is it just, like, I mean, how do you, like, for myself, I'm more curious, like, generally, how do you decide which characters will be next up in the series? And... Like, is this something that you know, like, because for me, I never know what the next couple is until I'm, like, hip deep, neck deep in the book that I'm, the book before it, Mm -hmm. when I'm writing these kinds of standalone series kind of books. Like, how do you know? So, uh, I mean, it all kind of
1: circles around the same point, which is that I... (laughs) I'm not some I don't really like hugely plotty books. Mm-hmm. Um, and this includes like wider universes. like I, I I enjoy an overarching like slow build, you know series plot, but I'm not someone who likes generally speaking epics, right? I you know, mm-hmm. I'm much more invested in the personal story. Um, and I don't necessarily always want to be reading about people whose actions, are so important that they can affect the whole world all the time right, in every single right. book. Like every not everything needs to be that bombastic and huge. Not everyone is right. that important. In fact, most people aren't. But um, Teddy even, and Margot
0: definitely were.
1: Yes, yeah. Teddy and Margot definitely were. And you know, it's funny, you know, I say that, I'm like, but also Teddy and Margot, right? However, yep. um, you know, this <laughs> the series does have to have a plot. As much as I kind of wish it didn't have to, it does kind of have to have one. Um, so to answer the question, it is to say that I have certain major universe beats that have to be met. And some couples journeys are better suited to those beats, um, propel the series plot better Mm -hmm. than others. So I only have, I mean, I have ideas for almost everyone you've ever met in the books. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know beyond book six, who I'm gonna be? What order they're gonna come in? Yet, okay. um, some of them are gonna be more relevant to the wider, you know, series plot than others. I like to call those breather books. You know, not mm-hmm. everything needs to be, you know, super plotty. Yeah, this that's also sure. why I get my kicks out with the novellas, where they yeah, just yeah they
0: don't those have to have. Novellas are great. Anything, books. To do with them.
1: yeah. Like if you don't like heavy world building, you don't like that. Read a novella, because like most of the time. They're they do not really connect to anything. And if they do, it's very but they're tangential. Awesome
0: like, and you should read them. If
1: I you think like any of the
0: rest of these books, like you definitely should be reading the novellas. They are so delightful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're very fun. And they're super fun to write. And I think they've made me a better writer. Um, which is interesting. You know, not something I necessarily thought. I kind of just started writing them because I was like,
0: What do I put on the Patreon? Um <laughs> Well, I think that all of the writing we do makes us better writers. True. True. Right? It, whether it's like a long form or a short form or whatever, every no words are ever wasted. Right? No. Even when you have to discard like a whole scene or a whole chapter or a whole three books, you <laughs> like those words were never wasted. They still made you a better writer. A-
1: absolutely not. I okay. do think though that I probably wouldn't have thought to take on novellas which are a different sort of beast just as you yeah. know you know but yeah. like for for the non-writers out there trying to fit a whole love story with all of the beats and all of the things that readers expect in less than fifty thousand words yeah. is honestly not as easy as it sounds the shrug is real it's real it's real <laughs> difficult um and i i think in that it has made me like understand pacing much better and like get a a really solid grasp on that which is good because i'm sort of a pantser right and i kind of need to have that clock going in my mind at all times when i write because i'm not planning it out ahead of time um but to answer your question specifically about cammy and victor yes um the reason they had to come second which was not, sh- I-, I think, a popular choice. I don't think anyone really... Be- they People suspected it, obviously, at the end of the book. They were like, oh, clearly these people are going to be next. No one was really like, I really want Cammie and Victor. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Everyone was like, Gaz or Tevas or whoever, you know, anybody. Not really Cammie and Victor. So it wasn't necessarily uh, the the most popular girl at the ball. Um, but I felt like they needed to be next, because I felt like the end of Margot and Teddy's book is that they are, they're they're doing it just for themselves, right? Ultimately, they 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 yeah. are changing the world so they can be together. Yeah. However, they are they are changing the world, and that's right. great. It's fantastic. They are they are trying to make it so the world is a more understanding and merciful place, where people can just be with them, you know, whoever they want to be with. Okay. Right. However, that does not change overnight. <laughs> and uh, people are people, even when they're purple and blue and people green and whatever. they are
0: definitely always people.
1: And these people have had a very strict dogma for a thousand years which is not actually very long it's only a handful of generations in this world specifically for elves um but it's been incredibly strict and incredibly bloodthirsty and riddled with fear as their population has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and people have gotten more and more desperate and it's ruined more and more lives and people cling on to the thing even when it's not working because what else are they gonna do right um you know and and margot and teddy they come blasted in with some dynamite and they go they you know, destroy the whole thing and they say, now you're free, go ahead. Well, that doesn't mean that people are gonna run out all you know, everybody's gonna run out into the sunshine and rip off all their clothes and start, you know, partying in the streets. Some people are gonna be like, well that's cool. Um, but I'm still gonna do the thing because I don't know, this is what I was raised to believe is the right thing right. to do. Right. Um, not everyone's willing to jump on that train right away because it's very scary. Um, particularly you know, the faded mates thing, right, is very much giving up control and, you know, biologically speaking for elves, they're dependent on another being, which is really hard yeah. for them um, because they are super predators. They don't like being beholden on anybody else. Um, so for Cammy, in, in particular, this was like a huge deal. And so I wanted to show how society doesn't change overnight. And Cammy, although she, she loves and respects her cousin, He's a damn snitch, but she does love him. Um, she's not, you know, she's not drinking the Kool-Aid necessarily. She's like, no, 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 that's great for you. I'm still going to do this thing now because I think I need to do it. At the same time that Victor, who is not part of this society, but has been very much affected by him, was, functionally speaking, raised by the Soulborns. Um, right. You know, it, it changes his world, too. And suddenly he's he's like oh great cool no no I can do this thing, um, so yeah. we kind of have the two sides of how this change is being absorbed in this couple. So and that's I why think, they had to come second.
0: I think one of the most important pieces of background information, like that a reader probably wants going into this book, is the the elvish experience of the pull. Right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that biologically for the for your for Cammy? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: so basically the elves are, like I said, super predators. They, they have like titanium in their bones. Their claws are diamond hard. They've got four fangs. They only eat raw meat. They are hardcore. They're metal as shit, quite literally. I love Um, it. Their one weakness really is the fact that they, when they meet somebody who's biologically compatible with them, they become violently dependent on being near that person and touching that person. Now, there are exceptions to this in many different ways. There are cases where, you know, you are susceptible to multiple people and that becomes very complicated. Like, there are going to be exceptions all over the place, but, you know, standard, standard operating procedure. You meet somebody, you use your super predator smell, you smell them from across the room. You basically have a couple of different options here. You can pursue that person and hope and hope. That you can lock them down and that they'll be in your life and that they're compatible with you in other ways. Um, Or you can get away as fast as possible before it becomes permanent. Um, And that means that your body becomes dependent. Its hormone regulation becomes dependent on this other person's pheromones. Um, Which is, you know, you think, well, okay, well... You can't live without them, but like it's only hormones, whatever. Um, except hormone regulation controls literally everything in your fucking body. <laughs> so right, right, it affects everything from mood to appetite to sleep um, to I mean even just the the biological shit going on in your body, right? So if you can't sleep, you can't eat. Paranoia develops. You become weak. Like you you know this. All these cascade yeah. effects happen, yeah. which will ruin your life and sometimes drive you insane, sometimes outright kill you, sometimes both. Um, there is a practice that's mentioned at the beginning where it's considered merciful for an elf who has succumbed to the pull, who's experiencing all these effects and who, you know, their partner doesn't want to be with them for whatever reason, or maybe they die or who knows, right? Um, that their kin will execute them. Ooh.
0: Yeah, it's right in the first so chapter. It's serious, serious business. Like the pull is like serious, very very serious, serious. business. And once and, it's done, it's done. And the elves are really secretive. Yeah, understandably it's a huge weakness because this is a huge weakness, right? <laughs> yeah. Like poor Vic, like I don't think it's giving too much away when I say that he has no idea. <laughs> None. No idea. And yeah. Tammy is like freaking out. Yeah, right. Even in the very beginning, she's just all she wants to do is escape him. Yeah, and and he just does not does not understand. Doesn't no. understand her like desperation.
1: No, because you know it was one thing that was important to me to to reinforce the fact that though Vic was basically raised by the Soulborns, he was taken in when he was ten um, as a pretty heartily neglected uh, little boy by Valinyadov, who is the general patrol, who is functionally speaking the soulborn's grandfather. He's kind of their patriarch. Um, and um, he was best friends with Teddy. They were, they, he considers him a brother. Um, he was raised by them, but he's not an elf. So I was, you know, I was trying to think, I was like, can I get away with making it so he doesn't know about this? And then I was like, I think I can, because I don't think... It would be a topic of discussion generally speaking. Right. And also, I don't know how many teenage boys are really sitting around talking about like, you know, monogamy Biological right. Yeah. Of yeah. The elvish
0: yeah, exactly. Ro- romance. S- yeah. Sitting around
1: and being like, Hey, like, are you know, are you looking forward to being biologically tied to one person for the rest of your life when you're an adult? <laughs> like, no. They'd be they be talking about Call of Duty or some shit, right? Like you Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, so he doesn't know. And it's and it's a huge point of contention between them because Victor himself is a shifter and they feel a sort of similar thing, but theirs is much more of a conscious choice. Um, So Victor, you know, he's feeling a lot and he is going through his own intense, like uh, instinctive urges and he's not seeing that that reciprocated in Cami, so he he's feeling very isolated in, in his pursuit of her. And he gets increasingly frustrated because he's like, you, why are you so angry at me? Like, if you would just talk to
0: me, like please just talk to me. Right, right. And she's like, No, sit outside my door. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So like I one of the things that I really like about your books is that not everybody has the same um the same kind of faded mate like attraction or connection or like, it's like these are cross species trip wires. Yeah. Right. And, and I like that, that like the fact that everybody doesn't romance or mate, I'm using air quotes mm-hmm. the same way, like makes it like, a, then turns it into like a source of conflict and tension yeah. when you have these cross species relationships and i think that that's a really interesting i mean i like i think it's great i i don't know this wasn't really a question it was more of a comment
1: <laughs> more of a comment i love it thank you <laughs> um, no. I I, I I agree. Like, I do think, you know, one of the reasons that I I wanted to do that was to not only, I think it would be fucking boring if they all had the same thing going on all the right. time. Like, I could do maybe three books of that and then I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, like, what what is this? But also because I wanted to reinforce the fact that though these people all live in the same place and they've been around each other for a very long time, they all have very distinct cultures and very distinct you know, approaches to this, not only biologically, but culturally. So, of course, that's going to have issues.
0: Right, right. So, can we expect more struggles of this nature with like faded connections of questionable compatibility? Yeah. Making things a little extra messy.
1: Yes, definitely. Because I, you know, I want to remind, you know, listeners too that not everyone has this thing, even in right. like different ways. There are humans, right? You know, there are lots of humans. The witches are right. humans. They can do magic, but they don't have they, they may have like a sort of magical chemistry with somebody. Right. But yeah. they're human. They don't they don't feel this like insane urge to to be with this one person. And, you know, they don't have like a biological compulsion besides just I don't right. know, wanting to have sex with somebody. Right. Um And so that's going to be an issue with people who do feel that biological compulsion. And then there are also people who, who just are violently opposed to the concept of letting nature or the gods or magic or whatever choose for them.
0: Which is something that we'll see. Like if you, when you read courtship's conquest, that's Mm -hmm. like a key Mm -hmm. element of this book. And I think that it's really interesting. Um, I mean, I just think that I don't want to give too much away, but like, it's really interesting, like the lengths that Cammie goes to, to try and just shut it down Yeah. and move. Like, especially with the history of the family, it's just so, she, our girl is making some choices. Yeah. She is making some choices. And like, I really feel for her because it's tough. I love her.
1: Yeah, I mean the history of the Soulborn family in particular yeah. is so fraught with with what can go wrong. Right? right? They don't have a great history with this, even right. when They're it works
0: out. A case study for like,
1: mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm.
0: fuck around with the pull. Yeah. Do what you got. Like, just don't. Don't do what do you got to do. Do what you, you got to do. Take responsibility for
1: yourself. Yeah. Keep keep a weather eye on your mental stability. And, yeah. you know, check in with the family. Like that is literally, that's their motto is like we look after each other because when we don't, things go really, 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 really wrong. Um and they still I mean they still go wrong. They still yeah, go wrong they, because they because they don't do that. They don't talk they to don't each other. They don't check in on each yeah, other. They, exactly. Um or even goes full on the rails. I can go it
0: alone. Yeah. I'm I'm not telling anybody I'm keeping everything to myself. I love the Soulborns. They're like the perfect dysfunctional authority, like family authority. I just the family drama is so good. It's so, so good. It's so Which good. Which leads me in perfectly uh-huh. into another question slash comment. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the book, uh-huh. in Courtship's Conquest, I don't yes. know why that tra- the, It like, trips the me up, too. Don't even worry time. about it. It's tongue twister. One of my favorite scenes is Camille and Margot have lunch. Uh-huh. And it is just so, like, chef's kiss, tone perfect, everything that I ever dreamed. Like, you get the peek into Margot's Happily Ever After, which is just delightful. Yeah. But, like, also you're seeing her through Camille's eyes. And this is not just her new cousin-in-law. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is her sovereign's consort.
1: intents
0: and purposes, is her queen. Yeah. And then... And like adding like this extra layer of complication to their relationship. And like that's just that's so intense. Yeah. It's right. Very intense. Teddy and has essentially
1: set them up on a date because he's yeah. like, you need
0: friends, she needs friends. Right. Let's let's get you together. Let's do a play date. <laughs> and Camille is like such an outsider. Yeah, she is. As a result of everything like with her mother, mm-hmm. keeping her kind of apart from everybody. Like how? What does that estrangement really like? Can you want to talk about how that estrangement?
1: So it's so it's so funny because I I've had from the very beginning, Cami has been a part of the story. Like all the way back to the first drafts, Theodore always had a cousin who is a little bit of a bitch <laughs> and right. Right. Uh, her mother was terrible. Her mother was originally in the, in the original drafts of the book, Marion was the, was alive and she was the active villain trying to start a right. coup to take over. Um, well, and, and
0: Theodore suspects her of yeah. being the person who bombed Margot with, with good reason
1: in the <laughs> um, beginning of yeah.
0: Consort's glory. So like, yeah, like we, yeah. yeah. That's so basically, that's the very I, beginning of the book. I shifted it to be,
1: you know, that's not incorrect. She is a villain. She is terrible. Right, right, right. Um, But at the time, the start of the book, she is physically and mentally incapable of doing anything like that. And Theodore doesn't know that um, because it's been kept a secret. And um, she also not
0: checking in on one another.
1: Exactly. Right. (laughs) They are who they are. Um, But so she's always been a part of it. And she has always been reluctantly Margot's friend. Now, in the original versions, it took two books to get there. Um, it took, like, a full-on, like, you know, the original books were, like, a trilogy of just Margot and Theodore's story. So it took, like, two books of Margot and Theodore's story to get to her, you know, being a friend. Um, but Cammie, it was important to me to to bring these two really isolated people together because yeah. their stories are very similar, actually. Just Right you know we a lot of people got mad at me about about Margot's uh, family life and how she kind of just she doesn't quite forgive her family for what they've done to her but she still wants them in her life right despite everything well, yeah 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 I, that, it's very complicated like
0: but I feel like that's normal right it's, like we all have really different levels of complication with our families yeah so, but like we all handle it differently.
1: Yes, exactly. And she's also only had, like, approximately five seconds to even begin to process right. what has been done to her, right. which she thought was something normal and was done to protect her, when in reality, right. yes, it was, but it was not normal and it was not necessary. And that's a thing right. that we'll be grappled with in... Following books and shorts and things. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I will say in Olivier's book, we're really going to address that. I can't wait for his book. I'm so <laughs> I know. excited. I'm also very excited. I'm very <laughs> excited for the for the family angst that's going to happen because it's it's not a spoiler to say that Olivier, her older brother, yeah, had no idea what was going on, and he. My philosophy is in this universe, as in our life. When something happens to you, it doesn't just happen to you. It happens to everyone who loves you. Mm-hmm. And people deal with that in different ways. And Olivier right. has to deal with what has happened to Margot in his own way. Because, spoilers, he's fucking furious. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't know how to handle that. Also, um, he
0: has a guest appearance in this book. Yeah, It's so good. Like, I'm team Olivier for life as a result of of I mean look, this book is just so good. I just I can't tell you how much you need to like buy it immediately if you haven't already because it's just full of just such delicious. It's very fun. It's very fun. And and a satisfying romance on top of that. Like I just like yeah. Abigail, why are you so masterful? I oh, like thank you. Thank just you. queen.
1: I just, I just like the mess. Um, like the mess. <laughs> but so back to uh, the isolation thing. Yes. Just, just to wrap that up. It was important to me that Cammy has this very similar upbringing to Margot, in that she was very isolated due to her mother's actions. Her mother was a pariah. Everyone right. in society knew that she was actively, constantly trying to... Right. Um, undermine the main soulborn family because she has a huge fucking grudge um however her daughter is a soulborn her son is a soulborn her, her twins um they are their father was um thaddeus mad thad's brother who right. at, towards the end of his absolutely blighted reign tried to challenge him to take the crown um to save everybody he was trying to right, do the right, right thing and it got him killed um, and so Cammie and, and her, her brother, uh, Cameron have never, n- never met their father and their mother because of the pull and because of who she was just in general has lost it, <laughs> has lost yeah. it in, uh, in the wake of his death. And she hides the twins away. She does all these plots over the years. She begins to mentally unravel in a very, very severe way. Yeah. Um, and Cammie becomes her mother's caretaker and they live on this secluded Napa estate where they, they have a vineyard, and Cammy and her brother are only allowed back, you know, into San Francisco to meet with their cousins and be part of that family um, when they force her mother to bring them when they right. when they right. quite literally threaten her like you need to right. you need to bring the twins we need to see them, um, and it is on one of those visits that she meets victor um and so it was important to me to show that like the reason cammy is has turned out the way she's turned out is because of this isolation the way that marco has turned out the way she's turned out is because of her isolation right um but they had two completely different experiences so they've turned out very very different right um and cammy is a a ball of spiky thorns right (laughs) yeah and Margot is not. Margot is tough, but she's not. She's very soft. Um, right. Partially because she's a healer, and partially because that's just who she is. And so Cammie meets her and is like, oh, we're very similar. We're also completely fucking different. But I like yeah. you.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So I like it. I think it's great.
1: I'm all about girl friendships. And and, yeah. and, and boy friendships, too. I, I, I love like, it. I also, it's important to me to show in these books, like...
0: That, that there the are love stories are central? outside of romance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That you need to have a network. <laughs> you need to have yeah. other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about shifter pack dynamics? Yes, we can. Okay. Because I have a whole, like, i got, like, four bullet points, and there are definitely more than four questions. Okay. Number one. Yes. This is not really pack dynamics, but how differentiated... From where's are the shifters in this world?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. This is very important. <laughs> this is so important. This is a huge thing. Okay, th- <laughs> all right, y'all. Listen, I want you to listen real fucking
0: Also, close. I super want the lore on on how the shifters came into being.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Related. Well, okay, it's important to me, y'all. Yeah. y'all.
0: yeah. listen,
1: listen real close right now. Yeah, yeah. Girl, Apple's coming to say. Shifters and wares are not the same thing. (laughs) They're not They're not the same thing. In what universe would I call them two completely different names? I go out of my way to say that they're two different things. And everyone's like Oh, oh, your wares and your, your shifters, you know, I, I don't understand why sometimes you say that they have two different eyes, eye colors, and sometimes they don't. It's not very consistent. Oh, so I, well, I wonder why. I wonder why. It's almost like they're two different species. Um, and I realized that I could have maybe, I don't, I don't, I, no, I don't think I could have been more clear besides putting a neon sign in the text, but, you know, it's in the glossary. They're, if you could look up the definition, they don't, they're not the same thing. Okay. Here's the difference. Physically speaking, friends. Yeah. Yes shifters can turn into animals <laughs> otherwise they look like normal folks Uh huh. wares can't shift into animals <laughs> they can't shift into animals no we we have not explored the wares other than right. the impressions that we have gotten so far from the wares we have met they have impulse issues <laughs> they struggle with impulsive behavior They are made. It is a virus that can be caught and passed on through procreation. And they have two differently colored eyes. That is the sign of somebody who has caught the virus. Their eyes change. Beyond that, you don't know what the wares are about. This is deliberate. They are not shifters. They do have packs because they have formed (laughs)
0: packs. Right, right, right.
1: Um, Because there's no one looking out for them. Right. Um, a lot of times they they have this impulsive behavior. They, they struggle with redacted and redacted and other redacted. <laughs> and so they have to form their own families. And a lot of times these people get into legal trouble. So we have a lot of ex-convicts and things. Right. Um, and that is going to be explored. <laughs> but suffice it to say that if a shifter and a aware or shall we say sitting at a table together...
0: The reason that they are referred to in two different ways is because they are two Two different different things. things. Okay. Okay. All right. Now you need to tell me how shifters come into being in the world. I need to to know the lore. So. I know you have it.
1: Essentially, this all comes back to the original creation myth of of the series, right? Which is that in the beginning, all the gods had a competition to see who could make the most perfect being and right. that is how we get the various you know uh supernatural races and they are you know all they all have kind of different They're made of, of, like, the stuff that was around, essentially, right? Right, right, So, like, elves have this, like, beautiful creation myth where uh, Glory wept because her husband had gone and made orcs, and she thought orcs were beautiful, but he made them without her, so they're not her children, and she feels very betrayed by that. So he goes, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. And so he plucks the most beautiful gems out of the earth, and he gives them to her, and together. Through her passing her light through them, they create elves. Um, and yeah. elves love that. They love that shit. I'm um, sure they orcs do.
0: roll their eyes. It you know. feeds right into their vanity.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and they don't talk about the fact that that essentially makes them mm, a little bit more than cousins with orcs. Um, right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so humans were the last to be made they were made with whatever was left, which is basically Mm -hmm. mud and sticks and things. And Mm -hmm, they were mm -hmm. weak and powerless. um, And they basically were left to wander. Um, They were made by craft. Craft is the mysterious um, trickster God, essentially. Um, And they were kind of left to wander this earth and they are vulnerable as shit, right? Uh, Everyone else is so much stronger than them. Right, right. Glory sees them wandering around barefoot and gross and goes oh well I feel bad for these poor disgusting little creatures who are not nearly as beautiful as my elves Um, how about I help you out a little bit and so using her light she gives them magic Um, and this is fantastic I so when I build the world I try to have a theological explanation for everything based around this mythology. And I try to have yeah. a scientific explanation for everything. Yeah. So behind yeah. this myth, there is rampant evolution and scientific theory. And the real answer is here, if you're looking at it beyond the mythological explanation, is that humans, though weak and fragile, are in fact incredibly adaptable. And also, they can have kids with
0: anyone. Wait, wait, and- wait, 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 wait. wait. Are you telling me that shifters are human? Yes. Based human. Yes. Long in the
1: past. Long in the past. So if we think about how things split, how populations Mm -hmm, split, right? mm -hmm. And become isolated. So at some point, the humans, a population of humans bred with people, a a, a race that could shift into animals, and they gained the ability. And then they interbred, and then they populated more areas, so on and so forth. But where did the people who could shift into animals come from? Uh, that is, I I can't say. Oh! But, but I will say, if you think about who the god of the forest and animals is, that's Blight. And Blight does mysterious shit all the time. He's, okay. uh, all right. he's not a god that people okay. like to fuck around with. All right. Him and his daughter Grimm. Um, so, you might you, know, I, you might look in the direction of demons. It's also worth noting that not everyone has survived to this day. Just like, right. you know, our human ancestors all the way back, right? You know. Yeah, there were yeah. there were a lot of different types of humans wandering yeah. around for a while. There were, so
0: okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah. So there's a one really important question that I have right now is, are there whale shifters?
1: I at the moment i I don't have plans to write a whale shifter, but I don't see why there isn't a whale shifter. Like, like my because my 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 you know rule is they have to be a mammal.
0: Well that's, so, yeah. that's mammalian. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I'll go. Why not? Let's go. All right. Yeah. Okay. So so how do these shifters stack up against one another? Like we had a mountain lion shifter mountain lion shifter in a stray. Yeah. Um, and then we have Vic, he's a coyote shifter. Yeah. Like what like if there was like, say, an elephant shifter Like, would they be intrinsically more, like, stronger and more powerful in their human forms? Like, what is the, like, is there, like, a, how do they stack up against one another?
1: Yeah. So, basically, my shifters, when they shift into their, you know, animal forms, are, like, 1.5 times larger than the natural wild version of that animal Mm -hmm. so they're quite large you know Mm -hmm. depending on whatever they are um and in in that sense it's very practical like okay coyote versus cougar right like how do you like realistically that's coyote's gonna even that's not even coyote's gonna get his ass ass beat Unless it's a right. very good fighter, but then we have to, you know, we have to factor in the fact that there's a human being brain, right, mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. that has tactical knowledge, that has, right. you know, like knows where the weak spots are, knows what whoever they're fighting, right? Yeah. Um, so there is that. So in terms of like shifter animal on animal, right, it's all down to muscle mass and it's down to intelligence, um, right? Just as
0: it would be between you know, two people of two people vastly yeah. different statures
1: exactly like just because you have a lot of muscle doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna win if you
0: don't know how too, to use
1: it yeah if you don't know how to use it you're too angry or something yeah. you, you you know or you're old or something right mm-hmm. um but you know in if we're talking about like their human forms there's a wide range just as there is you know with actual animals and with people right um yeah. you know if somebody is an elephant shifter Right. Which, again, I don't see why that wouldn't exist. It would just be, like, very chill. Um, (laughs) Very cool. Um, If you're that, right, I I don't see why, like, you would be, like, a massive person. Right. Like, you're already Uh changing mass enough. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I I, like, I don't it think... it doesn't
0: have to be... A, like, no. your human form doesn't have to be just as massive as your shifting form. No. The, the science no there is so wiggly anyway.
1: Like, there's no... Like, I, I'm not going to okay. try and... Because right. th- also,
0: okay. I think it would just be extremely silly
1: to be like, oh, yeah, you can tell he's an elephant shifter. How? I don't, well, have you seen that he's <laughs> 1,200 pounds? I mean...
0: <laughs> he's got four kneecaps. It's crazy. Something, something. Elephants afraid of mice. Something, yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> four kneecaps. yeah,
1: it's you know I try to give them like <laughs> that's my favorite little fun fact. I got four kneecaps. Um, yeah, I, but you know I try to give the people like some sort of feeling of what their animal is because mm-hmm. they're very intertwined. They're supposed to be essentially a seamless being that kind of mm-hmm. could switch, you know, between uh you, you know flavors of of the mind really um but they're but they're one person um except for when things are not as they should be um and so i try to give them a little bit of that the the flavor like victor is very lupine i think
0: yeah i think that he's definitely you you definitely get the coyote the slipperiness mm-hmm. of the coyote from his character um what other non-predator shifters are there uh ms aaron v of the reading hammock this was her question Hi, she wants to know yeah um so there are i mean as long
1: as they are i'd say about mid size like i don't i don't jive with the idea of like a skink or like a a little weasel shifter i think that's
0: crazy well i mean like i feel like those are technically predators
1: True, but like you know, like I'm not, you're not gonna find a chipmunk shifter. Um, okay, all right. Just because, also, like I, that feels. I feel like <laughs> you just get bullied so relentlessly. Um, no one's gonna be a bunny shifter. Um, but I, I do think that, like, um, I mean, there's definitely deer, right? We have mm-hmm. we see an elk, the leader, mm-hmm. the de facto leader of the shifter alliance, uh, Lee Seymour. He is he is an elk, um, and. Elks are um, prey animals, but they are also fucking terrifying.
0: Yeah, they're um, big. They're big. They're big.
1: Yeah, he's a very dominant man, and you yeah. you feel it, even though like he's in a room full of like lions and shit. Like he's like, fine, what are you gonna do about it? Um, I love Lee. Lee doesn't get, <laughs> Lee doesn't get enough attention. Um. But, you know, there are, you know, there are deer. I would say, like, you could, you could there are, like, dolphins and shit. Like, they're, I don't know. I'm not blanking on every non-predatory species out there. But, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. So, Vic specifically. Yes. He has had a struggle mm-hmm. to get where he is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it feels like he's still struggling because, yeah. like, he doesn't have cami and, like, Gotten everything else, he's working yeah. on getting everything else he's ever wanted. But doesn't but have camp, like like this is like a new, more high profile struggle, right? Mm-hmm. But what makes his particular pack situation unique? Like, what is uniquely coyote about them? Yeah, if anything, like, what is that? Yeah, tell us about that. So they have a really.
1: Coyotes are really cool. I don't know if you've ever done any research on coyotes, but they're uh, really, really cool.
0: I do know a little bit about. Coyotes.
1: Yeah, you were like an animal
0: bio, You were like a I, I major, went right? to school for wildlife biology. I yeah, took a lot of pop bio classes. Did you know that coyotes, when there's external pressure on the population, uh, t- diminishing the population, like hunting, it triggers like then they they mate and reproduce at a higher frequency.
1: Yes, and also that it's they've linked it back to the different calls they use too. They start using different calls which is then this, trigger.
0: Like, it's yeah. just wild. It's insane. Well, there th- so wild. this is
1: this is what I was working with, right? This idea of yeah. a super adaptable highly highly social structure that is yeah. not built necessarily around um an alpha that doesn't really exist in in uh right. You know, right. nature. Right. I think the human side need a need leadership more, and that's where that more comes in. Yeah. But Victor, as an alpha, he's a very like responsive. He's just he views himself as like a dad to all of these yeah. people. he's he's he. They are that's a huge so cute. family. I
0: love him. He
1: and he loves them. He loves yeah. his family so much. He would do literally anything for them, except give up Cammy. <laughs> Um, so one thing he finds that actually he thought he could and he can't, um, yeah. and and so he he kind of has had this journey with rebuilding the pack. And when we meet the pack, they're doing great. They're doing wonderful. Yeah. They have they they are basically their biggest thing is that they just need more space because they're growing because they're having more kids, yeah. um, and they're you know they're they're living their lives and they realize that they can't live in this tiny territory anymore but um that's a that's a good problem to have um but this wasn't always the case and and that's the shadow that's looming over victor at all times is that he, when he was growing up the pack was in shambles um because it was run by a man who who disregarded that trust and that social right. structure that makes it a functional family um and and that was like you know the idea of you know tracing it back to like the actual animals it's like okay right. you know what happens to to uh when one you know animal in a pack gets gets too aggressive um well it either destroys the pack the pack has to splinter off and, and go or they new drive packs, it out or they drive them out yeah um and or they or they have to kill them right yeah. like that's just that's what it is and that happens sometimes it happens in nature there are like wolves and shit who get super aggressive um and it's not tolerated but if you are also human right that becomes Mm -hmm. even more difficult because you know you can reason and you can say well you know hopefully he'll get better or something right and so the past version of this is what happens when the pack goes wrong what happens when the alpha system goes wrong and that is what victor grew up with he grew up with a really tyrannical father who hated the responsibility of a pack he hated it but he was absolutely unwilling to give up that position um and so he terrorized the pack he stole their money he um basically left them destitute he was abusive he was terrible to his mate and his son he was terrible to everybody um and he hated the overlords which is you know the elves who control the wider territory because he felt like um you know as all men who think that they deserve to have more power do yeah right like they were a threat to him and you know you know just an easy easy uh enemy to hate And so Victor grew up with that, and he grew up thinking that the elves were the enemy until he was ten, and then he was like, "Oh, actually, they can be okay." (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying their system is perfect because it's not. It is, but
0: definitely not. Yeah, people
1: are people. Um, Right. So, so yeah, so I, I, you know, I tried to base the pack dynamics on like real coyote systems, which is less super hyper responsive, adaptable, intelligent, playful. family dynamic um, where everyone's in their business all the time and everyone helps raise the kids.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All this stuff at the same time that I was working with like, okay, but you introduce a human element into this and humans are much more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And they bring grudges and they bring selfish (laughs) impulses and stuff. And not to say that animals don't have selfish impulses because they do, but in a
0: different, a different way. Um, Yeah. So
1: yeah, that was, that was what I was going for with the, the pack stuff.
0: Okay, all right. So, okay, we talked a little bit about how Vic was essentially raised by the Soulborn, the Soulborns, yes. and so, and he and Teddy, we find out, used to be like BFFs. Like, yeah. Um, how weird is it for Vic that Teddy is now the Soulborn? Like, what kind of family dinner shenanigans <laughs> should we expect when Vic and Cammy and Teddy and Margot double date? So.
1: Here's the deal, is that Theodore, since he was 10 years old, has known exactly what he needed to do. Right. Um, That is his arc in in the first book, right? Is that it is, the book is the completion of a life goal that he has had for 25 years. And that is to become sovereign, to become unquestioned, to change the rules specifically so he can have the woman of his dreams. Right. Um, very focused that young man. Yes, and yes. so while Victor doesn't know necessarily what's driving him, like the 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 understanding of the biological basis behind this is that you know Theodore knows that when he sees Margaret for the first time, he's going to be tied to her forever, right? Mm-hmm. And he's down to clown. <laughs> he's so ready. Right, right. Right. Um, he doesn't know that bit. Victor. Victor doesn't know that. What he does know is that Theodore has a mate. And that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, he's bound and determined to become sovereign. Right. Um, so a- even as kids, everything that Theodore does is become sovereign. Every bit of schooling he has, all of the training, he goes to meetings. He's, like, working with the guard from the time he's a child on. He's right, grooming right. himself
0: to right, become right. the
1: king. Right, Um right. So it's not a surprise to Victor. Victor has known this for a very long time. And so right. when it happens, he's like, Hell yeah, Teddy, get it. <laughs> yeah, man. I did it. Good for you. Um, <laughs> right? Always knew you had it in you. Yeah, bud, you know, it's very it's very clear, it's very open. This is what's gonna happen. Come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, Victor doesn't give a shit. <laughs> 'Cause they're brothers. They're brothers, even though they haven't really talked in twenty years. You know, they've only had the most basic of interactions. Um, after what happened with Cammy, um, they're brothers. That doesn't that doesn't just that doesn't stop. That doesn't end. Right. Um right. Victor is loyal to his bones even when, you know, you are not talking every day.
0: So he's least... definitely giving him a hard time over dinner.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely like, giving him
0: for sure shit. Uh ho- like super just the most pestering annoying yes everything
1: 100%
0: dragging him on yeah. like every everything yeah. all of all of his teenage stories yes yes like telling yeah. margo everything every that, every embarrassing embarrass story he can possibly yeah.
1: think of yeah, yeah absolutely okay. um you know to be fair I like that. theodore yeah. has his has his own ammunition there um
0: well, that, and so does yeah. Cammy. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Which is why Cammy and Margot just need to be BFFs. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they 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 do leave off in in a good place. They are they are friends, and they will continue to. That'll be I can't be
0: I can't wait.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, there's I also we have another element coming in there too, which is Petra. Um, yeah. and people don't really take Petra into account, but, uh, no. Petra's there, so.
0: Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. So we're, I feel like I, I'm, are you ready for the lightning round?
1: I'm ready for the lightning round. Lightning
0: round. Uh, okay. So favorite detail about Cammy that didn't make it into the book.
1: Oh, um, it didn't make it into the book. Uh, her love of fashion, really, I only got to every once in a while kind of hint at it. But Cammy's style is unhinged, out of control. At one point in the early drafts of the book, Cammy buys Margot an entire new wardrobe. Oh, I um, love this, and it's yeah. and it's the most ridiculous. Like she's over this. the top. She wears stilettos constantly. She doesn't own a different pair of shoes. <laughs> like she, it's all stilettos all the time. I love and she's, it. Al- she's also, I don't mention it in the book, but she's also over six feet tall. So like, sh- she's the best.
0: She's amazing. She's yeah. just such a uh, such a presence. Okay, yeah. all right. Same for Vic. What's his, what's the favorite detail about Vic that didn't make it into the book? It's.
1: Barely alluded to when I mentioned that there is a um, surfboard on the side of his house. But he's a surfer.
0: Of course he is. Yeah. yeah. He loves to surf. Oh, he goes surfing with Benny, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. And that's why he's he's uh, he, he always smells like salt and why his hair is so sunbleached.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I yeah. love this. This is perfect. Okay.
1: Fave
0: shifter varietal.
1: Oh, like my favorite? Yes. You know, I do love a, I do love a wolf shifter. They're very fun, and I do love to dunk on them really hard because I think that's hilarious. Because <laughs> um, I feel like the wolf shifters would be like the most like out and proud and like in everybody's faces all the time. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um. And I think that like because of that, everyone would make fun of them a lot. <laughs> um. So I I the wolf shifters, like they're gonna be very very fun to play with. I have plans for them in the future. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good.
0: Okay. Moose versus elephant, shifter, who would win?
1: Moose versus, uh, well, I just, I think by right of the fact that an elephant would just walk away and like the moose couldn't do (laughs) shit about it, the elephant, like the moose can charge for sure, but they're not going (laughs) to knock over an elephant. They're maybe bruise them. Like an elephant (laughs) will just be like, fuck off and just walk away.
0: Okay. Okay. I love this because I am Team Elephant. Also, just yeah. FYI. Let me just
1: grab a tree branch and
0: whack you over the head with it. There are people who are Team Moose, and I don't. I don't get it. I, I there's no it. way a moose is huge, it. but They're they huge. could not compare. Um, uh, an elephant could lay down on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't. do i I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. No. I like I don't understand how it's even a competition. So I'm glad that we're on the same side here. No. Okay. Okay. Who is your favorite secondary character in Courtship's Conquest?
1: Oh, that's hard. There are so many. We got introduced to so so many. many. Yeah, there are. Like I
0: couldn't even.
1: It was a parade. Oh, (laughs) every time I think I'm like, oh, it's that one, and then I'm like, no, but wait.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Controversial choice, but I do fucking love Epifanio um okay he is okay. he is trash but he had the biggest presence on the page um okay
0: all
1: he's, right he's he's just an absolute piece of shit and i love him shortly followed by lenia
0: okay all right okay i do love Linnea. my top personal top three are benny kaz and olivier
1: yeah fair enough fair enough yeah. i was going yeah. for people who were introduced in this book um, if I had to then pick out of people who were not just introduced in this book? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably Olivier, just because I know they what's going on so there, good. and I love him so much.
0: He's so good. He's, He's so good. He's such a so good. piece of shit. I was not sold on him before. Yeah. But this book totally 180'd my Olivier feels. Totally I, I think
1: you should, whenever you read my books, you should always remember that when you're introduced to a character what is the context right what is the context of like this moment for them right when we meet Olivier in book one it is perhaps one of the worst moments of his life
0: truly truly
1: he is he is desperate he is furious and he is afraid um and I think if you look at it in that light he doesn't seem so unreasonable (laughs) I mean, he's he's a little bit of a prick, he's but he's still pretty high-handed. He's still very high-handed <laughs> yeah. when he does that. When he does the "get over here, to yeah, Margo and yeah, she's like, yeah. "Excuse me, what?"
0: Yeah. Um,
1: extremely choice. Love it. Um, love it. But but yeah, I, I, you know it's always it's always important to remember the context, um, and and <laughs> that doesn't help with people like Epifanio, of course, who is just clearly a terrible person. Um, but you know. I do I do love I do love my trash cans
0: so okay who is your favorite Packmate? mate oh
1: my favorite Packmate. mate I mean I do love Mia Mia's great I've had Mia in there for a while uh she is the mother of two teenage coyotes she was Victor's babysitter growing up and she's just a meddlesome friend <laughs> um, older sister who she also basically raised him
0: even though right, she right. was just a
1: kid herself right um and victor has a great fondness for her and that only comes out she's really only in like one scene um but i, I did love her very much however benny is benny, top shelf. benny is great him. he is not the most creative in nicknames <laughs> 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 but he is he is he is so proud to be part of the pack. I can't wait to explore his story
0: too. Um, but I also can't wait for you to explore his story.
1: He's he's got a complicated past, Benny. Um, yeah. and it's kind of hinted at. But but in the you know when we first meet him, he's just a he's just a good old boy. She's just trying he to is. you know his job. He's Victor's second, which means that he is basically in charge of security for the pack and for Victor. Mm-hmm. And he is loyal to his core, and he would do anything for the pack. He would do anything for Victor and due to certain events in the book um his his world is very shaken and he basically sees his life flash before his eyes right. um and that will have repercussions in the future um oh i can't but be. he also like he just he wants he wants to fall in love he's ready he's yeah. like He's ready to to like find his true love, and he's yeah. just vibing, and he's tired of one night stands because that's all the women ever oh, want I from him. Oh, I love it! I love um, it. He's just a sweetie pie, and he doesn't really fit in a suit. He's just this big brawler. Um, I love it. Um, I, I love him. I love him. everything about him. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. he's yeah. He's, a, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's got to be Benny.
0: Favorite scene to write. Oh. Favorite
1: scene to write. I feel like I knew this and then now that I'm thinking about it I'm like what was my favorite scene? Um I really liked writing the phone scene. <laughs> that, oh, was that was very good. fun. Yeah. Because it wasn't originally in there. Oh. That was that was a late addition a late where I was addition. like I need to have a transition between mm-hmm. her between their their initial meeting where everything comes out. You know, yeah, they have this this you know video meeting, and then her going to meet him on the beach. Um, yeah. I needed to have a transition there. Um, that was very fun to write. Although, God, the rotunda was good. The rotunda yeah. was such a good scene. It was so good. I, I've had, I've had that scene in that place in every single draft. Just different things happen. Uh, at one point, that's where like a trial happens, a tribunal happens, and a man is executed. Um, yeah. Uh, so the rotunda, a lot of it happens. I'm glad, to be that, I'm
0: glad that that was not the version we got in this book. Yeah, not as, <laughs> not as fun, not as fun.
1: Um, but I, you know, I think the most fun actually is probably going to be uh, the scene with uh Cammie and Lania, the nursery.
0: Oh, I think that yeah. was the,
1: the sweetest thing for me to write because I really wanted to
0: show that the softer side
1: yeah that they're all actually
0: yeah <laughs>
1: they have they have a community they, and it's not yeah. the same as you know it's not necessarily recognizable to us but it's there yeah. um and i also wanted to really drive home why theodore's father was so reviled and what finally pushed people over the edge right. with right. him and that was that he threatened their young Right. Um, and that is not tolerated, and that's right. a theme Just that's that's explored later yeah. too. Where like, you know, there there are baby coyotes and all this stuff, right? And the elves are like, oh, I'm there are children here. I shouldn't be here because right. you, I'm a stranger. Like I shouldn't be here. Like right. I don't want to make right. anyone uncomfortable. I shouldn't be here. And the coyotes are like, hey, what the hell? Like no, come on, come here, here's a kid. <laughs> Take one. I'll throw it. Um, and it's a completely different right. uh, idea of what uh, community means. Yeah. Um, and so that was a really fun scene for me to explore and to then shift that later into the difference between how the coyotes do things with, yeah. their, with their kids and, yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also, the pancake scene and the, the apple throwing scene was just extreme. <laughs> all, the, all the cub scenes were so good. Poor Cam. She's doing her best. She loves kids, but these kids are like, what are we going to do with this huge purple lady?
0: <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that every scene is your favorite scene. In- yeah. Yeah. In this book,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except all the ones where I did crimes, which were fun in a different way.
0: <laughs> Courtship's conquest filled with only the best. Yes, yes.
1: Filled with <laughs> I, you know, I liked it's. It's full of angst, but it's also full of just like tooth rotting fluff. Like for every scene of just terrible angst, there's a scene of just oh my god,
0: that's the sweetest thing I've ever I've ever written. I mean, like, but not in like a. But not in a saccharine way. Like, I just, I feel like it's a really good balance of, like, because Cammy is really, I mean, she's all, like, sharp teeth, claws, sharp edges, prickly on the outside. But, like, she really does have this inner cinnamon roll Mm -hmm. core, Mm -hmm. which which I really love because I feel like we don't see as much of that in female characters. Yeah. As we do in like heroes, like it's always the dude who is like the the cinnamon roll.
1: Yeah, or like if they yeah. do have that prickly outer shell, like once it's removed, then then they're a completely different person. Right, right. And I wanted those two parts of Cammy to be completely in concert. Yeah, she yeah. uses her sharp edges to keep the people she loves safe. Right, to take care of them. Cammy is an alpha. Cammy, she is, yeah, she's a hardcore dominant personality, um, and. That comes with, like, its own set of baggage, right? She's the head of her family, yeah. um, which is just Cameron at the start of the book because her mother has passed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's she's in the dominant position, and she takes that very seriously. She takes her duty very seriously
0: yeah. and her
1: promises very seriously. She's used to taking care of people. yeah. So exploring the dynamic of... Victor, who loves the fact that she's prickly. God, he loves it. Yeah. He, he thinks it's the most fun game in the world to piss Cammy off. It's very um, coyote of him. Very, because he's getting her yeah. attention. He loves yeah. it. He loves it. Yeah. But even more satisfying is when he can he can coax her to be soft with him. Yeah. um, Which is its own very special reward. So he loves both. He's not trying to change her. He's not trying to do anything other than just win her. Yeah. um, And it, and she's perfect for pack life. Turns yeah. out, like though she doesn't have necessarily the social skills, she is the perfect uh, personality type to help him take care of the pack. Right. Um, because she has that softness. She has the desire to be with a family and and know everybody and integrate right. herself into their and lives. And once the pack,
0: once she recognizes the pack as family, it's game over. That's Basically. it. Like I mean, like that's like as far as like. Like she does, it's not that she changes, but it's like then all of that prickliness mm-hmm. goes is directed outward, exactly, to like the borders, what's on the outside of the path.
1: Yeah, she yeah. becomes she becomes the barricade. Yeah, you know she's she is the shield. She keeps her her people safe, and um, she
0: would be a very powerful
1: shield. Yes, yes, she she is, you know, she Cousin actually doesn't of fight the- much
0: sovereign of the elders exactly like she's like uh, exactly i love her
1: it's and that was you know i wanted to explore all of these different angles of the concept of an alliance Mm -hmm. in this um you know the the start of the book is cammy attempting to set up an arranged marriage for herself right and i you know i had people who were like well you know, why would she do that or whatever? And, you know, it's very selfish of her or what, you know. And I was like, well, she doesn't view it that way because she views it as not only did she make a promise to her mother, not only is she running away from her connection to Vic, but also she's trying to help her family. She thinks right. that if she can ally, her, ally herself with a family who is not in the fold, not a soulborn ally, right. she can make them a soulborn ally. Right. Like she's doing That's like 4D chess. The, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, but it turns out, okay, well, she can't do that. And she thinks she's failed in all of the things that she set out to do, um, by being with Victor. And Victor's like, hey, no, you, no, you didn't. Um, and he's talking about the more personal promise to her mother. But in reality, she also made the Soulborns allied with the Merced pack in a very concrete way. And also the larger shifter alliance, which is a huge deal. Huge. Yeah. Huge So Huge. there's a lot of like different le- like layers to the yes. concept of an alliance in yes. this book, Um and it's a you know a lot of political machinations happen, Um, but they all center around a very personal core of just like, you know, Cammy and Victor trying to make it work, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and I, failing and a lot. I love it. I love them. Like I like I really can't. I can't say enough how much I really loved Cammy as a character and how much I really love Victor's pursuit of her. And like his, because, because he's respectful, like yeah. even though, even though he's desperate and even though he oversteps and like pushes and whatever, like the minute he like, but he respects her and he yeah. respects, like, I just, I feel like, a lot of the time we see these kinds of romances where the person pushes and pushes and pushes and the other person is worn down
1: yeah. into
0: giving in. But, like, that is not Vic. Like, no. he, he isn't trying to wear her down. No. And ultimately, like, he immediately steps back. Yes, when, as soon as he realizes that becomes, he has
1: been actively right. taking her choice on accident by right, um, right. every time he has pursued her. her
0: to choose him yeah. fully of her own free will, yes. and and not because he like wore her down or manipulated her or cornered mm-hmm. her into it or whatever. Like he want like, and that's just such a <sighs> Abigail. This book is amazing.
1: And you know, I think one part of that that gets overlooked a little bit. Is the fact that people, you know, I had people asking, like, well, why didn't he, you know, she she blocked him, but, like, for 20 years, like, he wasn't, he couldn't call her or whatever. Like, well, why why did she do that? And I was like, it's less that she did that and more that Victor saw that she had blocked him, that she said she wasn't going to talk to him anymore. Her family said, don't talk to her anymore. And he said, that is her choice. I have to live with this. Right. That was Victor respecting her choice, right? And it is only at the summit twenty years later that he can't respect it anymore, and he right. loses it and he snaps. Well, and I he mean, to her. be
0: fair, there's some mixed messaging in that opening scene.
1: Oh, very mixed messaging. When I say <laughs> he does, he can't respect it anymore. He he's he realizes that Cami might be struggling, right? And that she right. might need help, right? And he panics. Yeah. and he no longer he says okay well I ha- I have to know if she's okay and he pursues right. her and then things escalate from there yeah. um yep. <laughs> due to things yeah um and
0: and and Teddy he... has just opened a door for him exactly that exactly. wasn't there before right like yeah. before before Teddy and Margot make their big reveal and Teddy changes the world yeah Vic and Cammy cannot be together without Cammie basically like giving up everything yeah in her life. Like like, she would have been even more like isolated Mm -hmm. from her family, from everybody than she ultimately is. And he wanted to give her a pack. He you know he was very practical
1: in that Although he panics because he's sixteen, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and he says some things he shouldn't have said. Um, he, but she,
0: he would have been asking her to give up everything for nothing because he had nothing.
1: nothing. He had nothing. He had no power. He had no money. Yeah. He had no way to protect her. He couldn't give her a pack because right. his pack was still ruled by this madman, right. essentially. Right.
0: Um,
1: and uh, and know, he realizes that. Yes, he does, and he and he also realizes that what he wants with Cami is forever. He wants to have a family with her. He he knows yeah. that at sixteen, he knows that. Um, and he, he is very aware that he can't give that to her. The animal knows he can't give that to her. It's not a safe time yet. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately miscommunication happens because they're 16 and that escalates. Um, but he, you know, again, he doesn't know that Cammy is experiencing this thing, which I want to point out because I, I, I realized in the first couple of drafts, I didn't hit it hard enough and I have since, um, emphasized it in the, in the draft that's going out is that. When they originally have their thing at 16, Cammy has not gone through what the elves call the change, which is a a super puberty, I think is what I called it. It's like it's yeah, puberty yeah. on steroids. It's like a week of madness where their body is flush with hormones and they grow. They're like, they literally like have a growth spurt of like, you know, a foot essentially. They go from being early teens to young adults overnight essentially and it's a cultural thing where they have to be isolated and they're taken care of by their kin and they're super, super right, dangerous right. to themselves and to others. Um, and then afterwards, once they've hit this point, they can go out to the world. They're considered young adults. They have new responsibilities. And also their bodies are receptive to the pull. All of a sudden, somebody you've known your whole life could activate the pull. Right. Okay. Also, this is an incredibly traumatic time.
0: <laughs> it's incredibly, yeah. incredibly,
1: yeah. incredibly traumatic. You have gone through a week of psychological and physical torture. And you yeah. come out of it and you're different. You're totally, you have to relearn your body. You look different. You feel different. All of this stuff. You have different social expectations. Um, and Cammy, when she, she she goes to, you know, confess her love to, to Victor, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. Um, has just come out of the change. And she knows, for the reason she wants to see him is because she knows for a fact that he's going to be her, her man. Right. She knows. She knows. She feels it in her bones. And she wants to prove it. Um, and she's willing to run away with him. She's, she's made the plans. She's going to do it. Um, and so she's coming out of this extremely emotionally fraught time. And then all of a sudden this biological imperative hits and she's like, yes. And then he says no. And then her life is destroyed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so like, it's not simply that Cammie got her heart broken at 16. It's that like everything that could have possibly
0: gone wrong, went wrong. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. This is supposed to be the lightning round. What are we doing? I don't know. I don't even this know. This is the last, the last lightning round question. Okay. My favorite question that I ask you about all of the books. Yes. Most chaotic pairing oh, God. of secondary characters.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, The secondary characters, all of the secondary characters in the book? Or what are we talking about? In this what are, what book. We...
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyone who's in this book who is not Cammy and Vic. Okay. Um,
1: chaotic. I mean, Epifanio and Lania would be extremely chaotic. Very just <laughs> like she's like pure cotton candy, and he's he's canonically a hardcore elvish Dom. So, like, that would be a lot, I think. Just a fun, but a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, yep. he's a terrible person. Yeah. Um, and then I think, like, we didn't even talk about Cyrus. Sweet Cyrus. No, we didn't. Um, I think Cyrus with any one of the coyotes. <laughs> like, so much. Like, that would be just so much for him. Sweet boy. Sweet boy. He'd be completely overrun. Um, what are my other secondary characters in this book? There's, like, Olivier. Oh, and- Olivier. Uh Olivier and Benny would be terrible. That would be so amazing. That would be just so, <laughs> so so terrible. Like Benny would like Olivier would rip his fucking hair out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he would. He would you would never understand. No. Oh yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. Um who else do I have? I mean, uh, do I even know what characters are in this book? I don't know. <laughs> no. Um I'm trying to think. There's not. There's Caz. It's the most chaotic pairing of cats with somebody in this book. Hmm. Hmm. The problem is, here's the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is I um there's like, a lot of characters who I can't who uh-huh. I think are secondary characters uh-huh. because I know their stories uh-huh. and I know that they're important. Uh-huh. But you don't know that. Uh-huh. So I can't uh-huh. I can't count uh-huh. them in uh-huh. this. Uh-huh.
0: uh-huh. You know too much. I do know too much. You know I will too say much.
1: if I want to get real crazy with it, Lee and uh and Kaz would just yes. be a fucking mess.
0: Oh my goodness
1: like two yes. completely dominant personalities like not 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 huge mess literally lot big sloppy mess
0: yeah 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 they would
1: destroy each
0: other <laughs> <sighs> okay. okay all right that's 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 me that's it uh that's it. i mean unless you want to talk about why you decided to explore a second chance romance
1: yeah i
0: mean i think
1: I'm not a huge fan of second chance romances. I don't know why I fucking no. um, But I wanted to explore... Um, the idea of first love was important to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to really explore that and what that... The lasting impact I think first loves have on everybody, whether we think yeah. about it or not. Yeah. Um, and how it can really shape who you become and who how you approach relationships in the future. Um, and I also, you know, I wrote this book because I think it's important to to talk about angry people, mm. right? I think that as as much fun as as it is, and as much like you know, as heartwarming as it becomes, and all this stuff, and how it's about hope, and how the whole universe is about hope and striving for a better future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cammy and Victor. Are, Are both very angry they've they've anger directed in different ways for different reasons but they're they're very angry and i and i never wanted to dismiss that and i never wanted it to feel like their anger wasn't valid even when it was based on say wrong information right um because i you know i think that anger is legitimate and how you feel about things that have happened to you whether you know all the information or not is legitimate um and so I I knew that it was not going to be a popular choice to to write them and to write Cammy the way that I knew I had to write Cammy. Um but like I felt you like did I it to. so
0: well. You did it Thank so you. well.
1: Thank you. She's prickly and I love her. I and also love he's her. He's also He he's also quite angry. Yeah. He's Victor's not necessarily always the most likable dude. He's very easygoing. He's got yeah. a great smile. But Victor is <laughs> himself uh He's a little messed up. He's a little messed up. So, you know, I, I I think that that was important to me, and I wanted to show like that two people who come from these really traumatic backgrounds are both they both have the same goal. I it's funny also looking back, I've described them as being the same character
0: because <laughs> they kind <laughs> of are. Um, I mean, I don't think that that. I mean, I like. I can they see make the why same saying
1: that they make the same choices i think that
0: that's selling the story short
1: that's true i mean they're not the same exact character yeah. but they make the yeah. same choices and they make the same mistakes yeah. um yeah. and they don't see it like I, I i literally put in checkpoints where like they both could have come clean they both could have said the thing right right they right they both right. could have figured right. shit out and Right, been, you know, and they just,
0: they just but they couldn't and they, they, they don't they, they choose there yet. not to yeah. <laughs> they're not there um, yet no, I mean, like, no. I think it makes sense. Like, everything that they do and the choices that they make, they make it makes sense for who they are and where they are in their lives. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So,
1: I love them both. They're both very flawed. Um, but it's important stepping stone in the story for a lot of different reasons um, in the broader universe sense, but also just, like, in the Soulborn family. I think they... It was important to me to show that they're not all in lockstep. Yeah. Um, that things are... Things are messy. happening and messy, yeah. all messy, messy, all the time. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for you to read the bonus scene that's included. Oh, I can't edition. wait!
0: I cannot wait! I'm so excited! I can't wait to get this book in my hands, uh, and and you too, listeners, should be very eager to get this book and start reading because it is really just an excellent second book uh, in this in this direct like series as opposed to the the novellas which are the main series yeah yeah um uh, like i just basically i love everything that abigail is written (laughs) so i don't i don't know what else to tell you please go buy the book and that means that we're in the plug zone yes so, uh, buy Courtship's Conquest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buy it. It's out now.
1: You can also pre-order, uh, Strike, which will be out May 30th.
0: Oh, definitely. You definitely want to pre-order that. Yeah.
1: Strike's a good palate cleanser between, uh, yeah. book, book two and three, which book three is also announced by now. Yay! So, I'm announcing it as we speak this Thursday. Um, This is and the book
0: that we have all been waiting for. It's true. It's yeah. true
1: uh it's it's you know kaz is gonna be a i can't
0: wait i i was writing
1: yesterday and i was laughing hysterically which i did not expect i i cannot wait it's very good he is um terrible (laughs) so
0: hyped for this i love me an orc i love me an orc it's gonna be good we're gonna meet a lot of orcs it's gonna be good i can't wait i can't wait
1: yeah Um, so that that starts on patreon uh, in May. I don't have an exact date yet because I'm still writing it. Um, and I, with the, the main series, I have to f- completely finish the book before I start putting it on Patreon, chapter mm-hmm, by chapter, because mm-hmm. things can go disastrously wrong with the book that length. Um, yup, yup. So I gotta really be sure about it. Yup, yup. Um, so that's going up, but uh, we have, you know, strikes on there completely now if you wanna read it, if you wanna read it early. Um, there's also gonna be uh, the, the, uh, Oh boy, the alternate versions of Consort's Glory are going up because we reached the Patreon reward of because we reached our goal. So that's going to be fascinating and yeah. see people's reactions to that. Because the first version, first six chapters that are going up because that's uh, where I stopped, um, that's going up on the Patreon week by week in the hiatus, um, are going to be from the version where Theodore gets to enact his grand plan
0: yes. to uh,
1: to to bring Margot into the fold. Oh, I can't um, wait!
0: That's going to be so good. Yeah.
1: And then I'm patron gonna read chapters of the N.Y.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll see everyone gets cool stickers and stuff. And oh, I love the stickers. We're all- I like. I like. I can't. I can't get enough of the stickers. They're stickers fantastic. They're fun.
1: I have no idea what I'm doing for the next pack. I gotta start thinking about that.
0: You'll figure always it come out. so fast. They'll be great. They'll be great. Yeah, they're fun. All right, Amalia, plug your shit. Uh, let's see. I got the 10th Anniversary Special Edition fully revised with an additional 4,000 words of Forged by Fate. I can't believe it's been 10 years, but it has. You can get it with a dust jacket on Barnes & Noble, or you can get it as a case laminate, which is just the, the art is printed right on the hardcover as opposed to having a dust jacket mm-hmm. on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful book. Uh, it also. Is. I love, I just really love having had the chance to go back and, and revise this book. And so I can feel like I'm putting my best foot forward with that series because it deserves it. Um, Fate of the Gods is, I'm really proud of those, those books. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to patron up on my Patreon, Patreon, whatever, however you say it. (laughs) So much sauce on that um you can read a super patron oh my goodness super patron exclusive novella um for fate of the gods fans this retells the story of forged by fate from the perspective of ra the egyptian god and athena the greek goddess and uh it's full of spoilers for the trilogy so please um Read with caution if you have not read the rest of the series. But I also also have on Patreon right now a uh, Amalia caracella novella, which is ultra hot and sexy um, about Aethra and her affair with Poseidon and the conception of Theseus. It's like I can't. It's it's so spicy. It's so spicy. So spicy. spicy.
1: If I remember correctly, I encouraged you to make it
0: spicier. Yeah, it was like yes, you guys just go on it full throttle. Enabled me. Yeah. In every respect and like it's regards. it's fantastic. <laughs> um so you can get the full EPUB of that, uh, early access if you're a patron, uh, at the five dollar level, or you can read it as a serialized, you know, blog post post form for a dollar at the one dollar level. So like seriously uh really a steal. Um yeah. and there's a ton of other content on there so that's basically or you can pre we can pre-order the Lion of chosen that's what Aethra's novella is called uh it's available to pre-order everywhere so yay, go forth that's me do it yeah yep. yeah well you well, get it,
1: mean, get is, it done yeah there you go. got a lot you got a lot of things to read listener yeah uh, yeah yeah you should yeah. pre-order burden's bonds which will be out in December. Yes. You should pre-order Strike, which will be out in May. Yes. Um They're just this so this is I Burn Spawns is gonna be such a fucking ride. It's gonna be a good year. If you like if you like kidnap forward road trip romances
0: <laughs> It's the book for you. Oh my goodness. I really um I demand but that is your marketing, <laughs> this is the marketing centerpiece of your book, uh, Kidnap uh, Forward Road Trip Romance. Yeah. I want to see that on everything.
1: Bodyguard flavored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very intense bodyguard flavored. Reluctant, <laughs> reluctant protectee. Yeah. Oh, I love Atria. She's so good. This is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, you should you should hop on all of those books. You should pre order them. You should buy them. You should do all the things. Um, and that's and that's it, friends. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. I don't know what that is, but it'll be something. Um, and uh, catch you on the flip side.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcast.